Well, good morning, Warehouse Church. Everybody staying warm this morning? Yeah, hey, let's give the worship team another hand, just saying thank you. It's good to have Brian Akers up here, and uh, one of our core values around here is we celebrate stories, and Brian was sharing in our little gathering, our little team huddle before, uh, uh, right after worship practice this morning, he was sharing that 45 years ago today, he professed his faith through baptism, and he was remembering his baptism. Isn't that cool that we get to remember our baptism? Let me just invite you. Uh, just right now, think about that moment where you professed your faith, pu- professed your faith publicly and, and was baptized, and uh, what a sweet moment that was. And, um, and so we're so grateful that we have stories like that to celebrate. And, uh, and so today, uh, it's so good to see you. I'm so glad that you, uh, you came out in the cold to join us for worship. And today, I want to talk to you about the blessings of generosity, and, and I'm just curious, as we think about this, how many of you would say that you're a pretty generous person? How many of y'all would feel like you're a pretty generous person? Okay, a few of you raise your hand. And at Warehouse Church, uh, it is our goal. It is our goal to lead the way with extravagant generosity because we believe it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so we're going to do everything as a church. We're going to do everything that we can to make a difference with what God has blessed us with. And, and I celebrate, I really do, I celebrate the generosity of so many of you. And unfortunately, many uh, get uncomfortable when you talk about generosity. I mean, let's just be real, let's be honest, that a lot of us get uncomfortable when we talk about generosity. And the truth is that many people in our country, uh, they're just not that generous, Like, we don't live in a really generous country. And if asked, many would say, yes, I'm generous. I'm a really generous person. Uh, But uh, the reality is, and and the reason is that we feel that way, is because we give something, right? Like, we feel we're generous because we give something. But we need to understand this truth, that giving something and being generous are two different things. That giving something and being generous are two different things. To be generous, and I want you to think about this, to be generous is to reorient your life around the thrill of being used by God to make a difference. That's what being generous is. And in America, most of us, we don't feel rich, but we really are. And we think we're generous, but we're actually not. And, 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 and it's crazy, right, to think about that. But, but let's unpack that for a minute. Let's, let's, let's think about the idea that most of us uh, don't feel rich. And the reason that we don't feel rich, we don't feel affluent, we don't feel like we have much is because there's always someone else that has more, right? Like the reason that we feel like we don't have a lot is because there's always someone around the corner that has more. And when we compare ourselves with someone who has more, well, we don't feel like we're wealthy. And, and, but when we compare ourselves with the rest of the world, like let's just get real, And when we compare ourselves with the rest of the world, we have to acknowledge that we are extremely blessed. In fact, think about this. If you drive a car, that puts you somewhere in the top 6 to 9% of the wealthiest people in the world. If you drive a car, and most of you drove a car here today, and because you drove a car, you are in the 6 to 9% wealthiest people in the world. I went to Cuba or Cuba uh, a, a few years ago, and, um, and cars were a, uh, a commodity that not many people had. Not many people owned cars, and if you owned a car, you were considered to be extremely wealthy. 
But the cars that you see in Cuba are really Frankenstein cars. Like they'll take an old 57 Chevy and they'll put a diesel engine in that bad boy and they will use black market diesel gas to drive the thing. And an air conditioner is something that you might find in a house that they've repurposed for the back of the car. And you will get 20 people in a car that was only designed to fit five people. Because driving a car, you're in the six to nine percent of the wealthiest people in the world. We're blessed, and we don't even know it. Think about, think about the things that we take for granted. For example, today, uh, many of us will get in our car after church, and we'll drive away, and, and we will pass six or seven different restaurants to go to our favorite restaurant after church. And we'll sit down at a table, right? We'll sit down and someone will take our order and and they will bring our food out to us and we'll eat all of our food. Some of us will eat all of it. Some of us will get a box. Some of us will leave half of it on the plate. And, And then someone will come behind us when we're done and clean up after us. And we'll get back in our car and then we'll drive home. And how ridiculously wealthy is that? And when we when you got home, when you get home, you'll walk into your house which, by the way, is probably climate controlled, which simply means if you want your house to be 72 degrees, it'll be 72 degrees, whatever, the, no matter what the temperature is outside. And then once you walk into your comfortable house, at some point you'll go to the bathroom, right? Like we all have to go to the bathroom and, and you'll go to the bathroom and you'll push a button and, and your stuff will go away, right? Like that, that's, that's a really big blessing because many people in the world their stuff doesn't go away. It stays in the hole, right? Like, and so that doesn't happen all over the world. So that's just how rich and blessed we are. And then at some point, you'll, today you'll go, you'll go to bed and you'll get into your very comfortable bed and you'll sleep through the night and you'll have a pillow to lay your head on and you'll have blankets over you. And then the next day, you'll, you'll get up and you'll walk into your closet And you'll have clothes from this side of the closet to this side of the closet. And you'll walk in and you'll kind of touch them all. And then you might say at the end of that, man, I have got nothing to wear. I got nothing to wear. And that's how rich we are. Like we are a wealthy people. And most of us were really blessed. And we don't even know it. Like so many of us are so blessed and we don't even recognize it. And if you ask the average American, if you ask them, are you generous? Are you generous? They're going to say, yeah, I'm pretty generous. But the reality is we're really not that generous. Like, in fact, I just want to share a couple statistics with you this morning. The average American, the average American only gives 2.8% of what they bring in away. 2.8%. And if you're really blessed, guess what? That number goes down. It doesn't go up, it goes down. And that's not God honoring, that's not being generous. Like, like uh, as Jesus followers, that's not what we're supposed to do. Like we're supposed to do something different. Because I want you to remember this, that we, Warehouse Church, we wanna lead the way with extravagant generosity because we truly believe Like, we don't just say it, but we truly believe that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And the reason why people don't give more is, well, because they they don't feel like they can. And most people would say, I'd I'd love to give more. Pastor, I'd love to give more. You might have the conversation even today at lunch, and you might be saying, man, I wish we could give more. And the reason that we don't 
is because we feel like we can't. Money's tight, we're hurting, we're afraid, and we have this scarcity mindset. The scarcity mindset, and this is, this is how I was raised. And, 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 and it, without much at all, we didn't have a ton when I was a kid, and, and I had a scarcity mindset and, and heard things like, there, there's not enough. I wish I could give more, but I can't afford to. We can never get ahead. We're always behind. There's always more month left than money, right? And, and we hear that, and it's a scarcity mindset. In fact, uh, scarcity is, a, is actually a cycle uh, and it's a cycle that we often live in. And, and this is what the scarcity cycle looks like. I just want to show it to you. Uh, this is what it looks like. And um, God supplies, right? Like God provides for us. He provides what we live on. And then uh, we consume. That's what we do, right? We spend whatever comes in. Uh, God supplies it. We consume it. And then at the end of the month, we're like, oh my gosh, right? We're like, oh my gosh, there's not enough money left over. And so after we consume, we lack, we lack whatever, whenever we consume and we don't have enough. What's the dominant emotion that we feel when we find ourselves at the end of the month with not enough? Then we fear. And this emotion of fear consumes us. And out of that fear, what do we do? We consume more because that makes our fear go away. And so we consume more. And this is tragically the majority of the people, how the majority of the people in America live. They live with this cycle of scarcity where God supplies, then we consume, and when we consume, we lack, and then when we lack, we fear, and it just keeps going on and on and on. We live paycheck to paycheck. God gives to us, we spend what we have, and oftentimes we spend more than what we have, and I don't even know how that happens, but we do it, and we lack, and we fear, and we consume, and we lack, and we fear, and we consume. It's just this vicious cycle, and you can hear this. You can hear this cycle in our language. I wish I could do more, but we can't. I never can seem, I never can seem to get ahead. No matter what I do, there's just never, ever enough. It's the cycle of scarcity. In fact, if you found yourself tensing up this morning when I mentioned uh, that we're going to talk about generosity, I guarantee you probably have the scarcity mindset. You're thinking, oh, here we go again. We're going to talk about money. I don't want to talk about money. Like the church, that's all they ever want. They just want my money. I can't afford to do that. I don't have enough. I'm barely making it on my own. That's a scarcity mindset. But as Jesus followers, we have a different mindset because of what God did for us. What God did for us through Jesus we do something different. We live differently, and it creates a whole different cycle. And it's no longer a cycle of scarcity, but it's a cycle of abundance. Everybody say abundance. It's a cycle of abundance. And let me, let me show you what we do. In the cycle of abundance, we give generously. We give generously. That's what Jesus followers do. And, and because of what God did for us, our response is that we love to give generously. In fact, in our scripture this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, if you want to go ahead and go there in your Bible app or your Bibles, uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, talks a lot about giving. And he's, he's, he's getting churches together and they're collecting this offering for the church at Jerusalem who is experiencing a famine. And he talks about this idea of generosity. And here's what he says, beginning in verse 6 
uh, of chapter 9, he says, remember this. It says, a farmer, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. In other words, you, you reap what you sow, right? Verse 7, but you must decide in your heart how much to give. You must decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Everybody say all. All. God will provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their deeds will be remembered forever. So the apostle Paul, he tells us, he's like, listen, you reap what you sow. And then he says, listen, you must decide. You must decide in your heart how much to give. That's what we do. That's our responsibility. That's our job. And we, and, and we give generously because we are followers of Jesus. And I love Paul's instructions because he says, listen, he says, don't give reluctantly. Like, like don't give begrudgingly. Don't go, oh, if I have to. Like, don't give reluctantly. And then he says, and don't give in response to pressure. In other words, he's like, listen, if you're feeling manipulated, if you feel pressured to give, don't give. He says, this isn't, and, and this isn't me saying this, this is God's word telling us don't do it. Like, if you feel uh, the pressure to give, then don't. Don't give. And why? He tells us, he says, because God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And that is the attitude that we should have in our generosity, that, that we should give cheerfully. We should give joyfully. We should give hilariously because that's what we do, because we really believe. We really believe that it's a massive blessing to be generous to others. And then what happens when we're generous? The Bible says that God will generously provide all that you need. Everybody say need. All that you need. Is it all that you want? No. But that he will give, provide all that you need. And this isn't scarcity. Like God provides. This is God's provision. He said, then you will always have, right? Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over for what? To share to share with others. And how do they give? It says it right here with me. It says uh, they share freely. They share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. That's what we do. When God blesses us, we give. And then God gives generously back to us. God loves it when we're generous. And I want you to hear this. This is not prosperity gospel. This is not like, well, because I love God, he should give me and fill up my bank account. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that when we are faithful with what God gives us and we give back generously, he provides more so that we can be generous back. Not so that we can hoard it, not so that we can keep it, not so that we can fill up our bank accounts, but so that we can give generously. People love it. God loves it. God loves it when we're generous. People love it when we're generous. And it's a tremendous joy for us when we're generous. 
You see, as Jesus followers, this is what we do. And what does God do? Well, God does this. God multiplies abundantly. He multiplies. When we're generous, God multiplies. He gives, we give generously and God multiplies abundantly. Verse 10 continues. If you read on, it says this, for God is the one who provides seeds for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. And so read that first line again. It says, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. So God is the one that provides. And when we live a generous life, he will increase your resources so that you can continue to be generous. God gives us the seed to sow. God gives us the resources to give. God gives us the bread to eat. He provides for our needs. And in the same way, in the same way that he does it for the farmer, he will provide and increase your resources. And so this isn't scarcity. This isn't how we're God supplies and we consume and then we lack and then we fear. That's not what this is. It has nothing to do with scarcity. This is abundance, right? This is living in generosity. This is living as a blessing and being a blessing to others. That the promise is that he multiplies your resources and then what happens is that it produces a harvest of generosity in you. That when God provides, it, 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 it produces this generosity, this attitude of generosity in you. And God is blessing and he is multiplying and you become even more generous. Like you get excited. How can I be more generous? How can I give? How can I provide in ways that I've never thought of before? And when we do that... Scripture says that you will be enriched in every way. Your faith will grow. Your, your, your attitude will change. You will become this generous person that's giving, giving, and giving, and never hoarding and never holding on to. And why? Well, not so that we can be afraid, right? He does it so that we can always be generous. And when we take those gifts to those who need them, when we're generous to those who need, what are they going to do? They're going to say thank you to God, and they're going to praise God for providing for their needs. You get to become an answer to someone's prayer. What a blessing. What a blessing it is to become an answer to someone's prayer. And this is completely the opposite of this cycle of scarcity. Instead, we sow, and God supplies in fact, let me just show you a different way of looking at things, and it's called, I call it the cycle of abundance. Same thing, God supplies. Both, air, both the cycles, God supplies. But when God supplies, instead of, instead of consuming and lacking and fearing, the first thing that we do is we give, right? When God supplies, we don't consume, but we give. And as Jesus followers, the very first thing that we do in response to God's blessing is we return a tithe back to him as an act of worship. That our tithe is not like this rule that we follow. A tithe is not this box that we check off. The tithe is an act of worship. And we give to God first because God first gave to us. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his firstborn son, Jesus. And so we give 
because God gave. And when we give, what does God do? God multiplies it. We give, and God, that little X with an S, that's multiplies because it wouldn't fit. We give, and God multiplies. We put seed in the ground, and God gives us a harvest, a bigger return. When we give, God multiplies, and then what happens? Our faith grows. God supplies, we give, God multiplies, and then our faith, it grows. And when our faith grows, guess what? We give some more. And when we give some more, God multiplies some more. And when God multiplies some more, our faith grows even more. And suddenly we have a harvest of generosity because of the goodness and the generosity of God. And instead of living in scarcity, we take, a, we take this crazy, radical faith that makes no sense at all. Like intellectually, uh, it doesn't add up. Like our economy and God's economy, they don't, they don't match it doesn't make sense, and we worship God with our tithe. When we, get, uh, when we get, when God supplies, we immediately give back to God a portion of what he's given to us. And so what does the tithe do? Among other things, tithing breaks the cycle of scarcity in our lives. That when we get in the habit of tithing, when we begin to see tithing as an act of worship, it breaks the cycle of scarcity in our lives. We're no longer consuming and consuming leading to lack and lack leading to fear. It breaks that cycle and it creates a new cycle, this cycle of abundance. And how does it work? Like what is the tithe anyway? Well, the tithe, it comes from a Hebrew word, uh, mehazer, which means one-tenth. It means one-tenth. And so one-tenth of everything that comes to us, we give back to God. In an act of worship, it's not rocket science. It's just whatever God provides, we give back a tenth of it. And you might wonder, well, well, Pastor Rick, and you might be saying, that was Old Testament. That was the law. And I hate to tell you, but uh, tithing was going on 400 years before the law. Abraham tithed to God, and that was before the law was ever created. So tithing ha has been going on long before the law. And Jesus, by the way, he affirmed the tithe. Jesus affirmed it, and, and he even told us, he said, listen, you should tithe. But Jesus also said, and don't forget the more important matters of the law. And I love that Jesus said that. He said, hey, I want you to tithe, but don't forget the more important matters of the law. In other words, Jesus is already assuming that we're going to tithe. He just assumes. He assumes that we're going to be generous because of all that he's done for us. Jesus assumes that we're going to be generous. He says, but listen, I know that you're going to tithe, but don't forget these other things. Don't forget love and don't forget mercy and don't forget sacrifice. And so we tithe. And this is just what we do as followers of Jesus. We give. Tithing breaks the cycle of scarcity and creates a new cycle of supply. God takes our tithe. And I love this about the tithe, that he takes it and he multiplies it and he builds our faith. And then what do we do? We give some more. And suddenly, instead of living in this cycle of scarcity, we experience the abundance of our good God. And he creates a harvest of generosity in us. And I've seen it. And I've seen it in my life and I've seen it in the lives of others. And I want to share with you this morning three uh, thoughts about the power of the tithe as we wrap up. And I just want you to think about these three things about tithing. And the first thing about tithing that makes it so powerful is that the tithe teaches us to put God first. That's what it does. That when we tithe, it teaches us to put God first. And I love what today's Living Bible Translation uh, says about it. It says this in Deuteronomy 14, 23. It says, the purpose of tithing 
is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. That's pretty, that's pretty like simple, right? Like we all get that. Like I don't have to explain that, right? Like the purpose of tithing, the reason that God calls us to tithe is so that we will learn to put God first in our lives. Now, I know what a lot of you are thinking. A lot of you are like already thinking, man, I should have slept in today. I know, some of you are thinking that. Some of you are like, we should have stayed home today. Like you are nudging your wife, we should have stayed home today. Things are tight. I don't wanna do this. I don't wanna talk about my money. Uh, I, don't wanna, I, don't, I don't wanna talk about tithing. It would, it would mean if I started tithing, it means that I would have to rearrange my whole life around God. Pastor Rick, is that what you're telling me to do, to rearrange my whole life around God? Yes, it is. That's what I'm telling you. But you don't understand. You might come back and say, but you don't understand. I would have to make some massive changes. I would have to give up Netflix. I would have to stop going to the Starbucks every day. Like, I would have to rearrange and reorient my life. Is that what you're telling me to do? Like, to do that, it would take crazy faith. Is that what you expect? Yes. That's exactly what I'm saying. Because here's the reality. It takes faith to give first, and it doesn't take faith to give last. It takes 100% of our faith to give God a tenth of our finances first. It takes absolutely no faith to give him what's left over at the end of the month. When we tithe first, here's what we're saying. We're saying, God, because of what you did for me, it's my honor and my privilege to give back to you. I have rearranged, I have reprioritized my life around you as the Lord of all things in my life, including my finances, and I'm putting you first. You see, tithing teaches us to put God first. The second thing is this, that the tithe builds our faith, that when you tithe regularly and faithfully, it builds your faith because here's what happens. When you tithe, you see the faithfulness of God. That when you give the first fruits of your finances, you see God become faithful and providing for you. And I love, because this is what Malachi, this is a passage that many people talk about when they talk about tithing, but Malachi, the, the whole focus is not forcing you to tithe. The whole for, focus of Malachi 3, 10 through 11 is to show you God's faithfulness. That if you will trust him with your finances, he will be faithful. Here's what it says in Malachi 3, verses 10 and 11. It says, bring the whole tithe. How much of it? The whole tithe. Into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will, be not, that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. And what's crazy about Malachi, what's crazy about this passage is that it's the only place, the only place in scripture that God says, hey, check me out on this. Test me on this. God says, test me, try it, give it a shot. See if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessings that there will not be enough room for it. See if my economy, the way I do economics, isn't different from the way the world does economics. See, this world says to continue to lack and fear and to consume. And see if when you give to me first, God says, see if I don't multiply it. See if I don't build your faith and see if suddenly there isn't a harvest of great generosity in your heart. 
In other words, God says this. He says, give me your first and your best and I will bless the rest. See if 90% with God's blessings doesn't go further than 100% without. God's like, listen, you can do it without me and you will lack. You will consume and you will lack and you will live in fear. But if you will just give me the 10% and see if I don't bless the other 90% and see if my blessings don't abound. And see, here's what happens when you see the blessings of God Here's what happens. Suddenly you get super passionate about doing even more. Like you were like, man, that was really cool. That was amazing. See what God did? I just, I gave my $100, I gave my $50 and see if God didn't bless it. And, and before you know it, you're rearranging your whole life and, and you're reorganizing. You're recognizing that what God has given you is actually not all for you. And you recognize that it's not your money anyway. You're just a manager of it, but that you can make a difference in the world because of the generosity that he, is, uh, that he is welling up in your heart, because it is more blessed to give than to receive. Listen, I've experienced this in my own life. When I was, uh, uh, many years ago, I was planting a church, starting a church, and I raised my own support. And, uh, and I remember um, uh, at the end of a month, uh, uh, the housing market had collapsed. And so a lot of my donors or a lot of my givers stopped giving because they lost money. And, uh, and because they lost money, they, they didn't feel like they had money, extra money to give. And so uh, we were coming to the end of the month. And I remember that, that our bank account was like in the single digits. I mean, there was like not a lot of money left in there at all. Like we didn't know how we were going to do it. And, and yet I continued to tithe. I was faithful to the tithe. That was one thing I said when I planted a church is I'm going to continue to be faithful to the tithe no matter what. And so I went to the mailbox one day feeling pretty down because I was like, man, I don't know how we're going to do it. And there in my mailbox was a check for $10,000, a check that I had no clue was coming. But I believe because I was faithful to the tithe that God was faithful back to me and he blessed the 90% that was left over. You see, when you see the provision of God, it changes you. God provided in that moment, like we were at the, it was the dark hour, right? Like we were like, I don't know. I don't know how this is gonna work. And it changed me. Because it's a cycle of abundance. The tithe, it teaches us to put God first. The tithe, it builds our faith. And then without apology, I'm gonna tell you number three. And here's what it is. The tithe provides the work for God's church. The tithe provides for the work of God's church. That's what it does. That when you return 10% into God's church, guess what happens? A lot gets done in the world. Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And many of you would say, how many of you uh, would say that your life is different spiritually because of God's work in this church? Like how many of y'all would say that? That this church has impacted your life spiritually? Someone else gave. And because of the work of God, uh, because of that, the work of God advances and your life is impacted, right? This is what we do. And because of your generosity, just think about these things. Because of your generosity, we were able a few weeks ago to host 125 guys from rehab in, a, in an evening worship service here. Because of your generosity. Because of your generosity, there was a family whose home burned down. And, and we were able to, just a couple weeks ago, we were able to give them a, a Walmart gift card to help them to get back on their feet. Because of your generosity because of the church 
Brian Akers was able to witness that 45 years ago, he professed his faith publicly in baptism. And he said these words, he said, and I'm so grateful that I'm a part of this church today because of your generosity. Because that's what the tithe does. The tithe helps us move forward in the gospel. And this is what we do. We're able to help uh, people. We're able to share the gospel. We're able to spread the gospel because of your generosity. This is what we do because of what he did. And here's what we will always do is we will lead the way with extravagant generosity. We will always lead the way with extravagant generosity. Like there's no big fat bank account where we're hoarding money. It comes in and we send it right back out. We send it right back out. We send it out to Korea. We send it out to, uh, to tin can, far-flung far tin can. We send it out to Spring Deeds. We send it out to Crossroads Missions. We send it out. We don't hoard it. We, keep, we send it out. This Christmas, uh, we're, we're doing a Christmas Eve service. Your, your, your tithe, your generosity will help us to let other people know hey, we're going to promote and let other people know that there's an opportunity for them to come on Christmas Eve to hear the Christmas story because of your generosity. And so let me just ask you the question. It's just a simple question. It's one question. And the question is this. Are you a part of the we and this is what we do? Like seriously, think about it. Are you a part of the we and this is what we do? Or are you still living in the cycle of scarcity. Just look at it one more time, the cycle of scarcity. God supplies, you consume everything he supplies, and then you're lacking. And because you're lacking, you live in fear. And that fear drives you to consume more, lack more, and live in more fear. And it just goes on and on and on. This is where most people live today. Or, why not live in the cycle of abundance where God supplies, we give, God blesses the 90% and multiplies, our faith grows, we give some more, God multiplies, our faith grows, we give some more. It makes no sense. This, this doesn't make any sense in the natural world. For all of you uh, nickels and dimes kind of people, it won't match up on a spreadsheet. It won't make sense on a spreadsheet because this is supernatural. We give, God multiplies, our faith grows. We give some more, God multiplies, our faith grows. And God creates in us a harvest of generosity. And when we give, and here's the beautiful, the beautiful part of it, when we give, people thank God. This isn't just what we do either. This is who we are. This is who we should be. We're generous because God was first generous with us. Because God gave first. And because of what God did, this is what we do. Because of what God did for us, this is our natural response. And if you're not a part of it, let me just invite you to become a part of the we. Become a part of the we because this is what we do. And when we do it, God is glorified. 
and he meets the needs, not just our needs, but he meets the needs of everyone all over the world. This is what we do. We live in a world of addition. God lives in a world of multiplication because he's supernatural like that. So you have a choice today. You can continue to live in a cycle of scarcity or you can live in a cycle of abundance. And maybe you're already living that cycle of abundance. And maybe God has been using your generosity to bless other people. Man, celebrate that. Like, like celebrate that. Don't keep that to yourself. Like, it's not a pride thing. You can do it with a humble heart and say, listen, God has just been blessing us to be a blessing to others. And it all started when I stopped living this life and I began to live a life of generosity. Don't be ashamed to share that story with others. So if you're here today and maybe you're like, man, I'm just, I'm tired of living paycheck to paycheck. I'm tired of living this cycle of scarcity. Let me just invite you to do what God said and test him. Test him and live the life of abundance. Start to be faithful to giving to God and see if he doesn't bless the 90% rather than you hoarding the 100%. See if at the end of the month there's enough to be generous. And you might be thinking like generous like thousands and thousands of dollars. Generosity is giving $10 to someone in need. Generosity is putting the needs of others before your own. Generosity is saying, I was able to walk through the grocery store, find a person in need and hand them 20 bucks and say, hey, I hope this helps. That's generosity. It doesn't have to be hundreds and thousands of dollars. You can be generous with $20. You can be generous with $5. It's all about the attitude of being a cheerful giver. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you, Lord, for being a generous God. Lord, you have given so much to us. God, you have given us life. God, you have given us your mercy. You've given us love, unconditional love. You've been so extravagant in your generosity towards us. And yet, Father, so often we, we just take what you give us and we consume it. We burn through it. And at the end of the month, we're like, oh my gosh, there's not enough. And then we live in fear and we start the same thing over again the next month, living paycheck to paycheck, never honoring you with our finances. Father, it doesn't have to be that way. So Father, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts about this idea of generosity. And remember, what, remembering what Paul said that don't be reluctant and don't feel pressured. You get to choose. But God's like, just test me and see if I don't provide in ways that you never imagined. So Lord, may we be faithful in giving to you first, recognizing that when we give to you, you take and multiply it and you build our faith. And at the end of the month, there's always enough always enough. And sometimes there's extra to give to somebody in need. Father, may we be a church 
who lives a life of extravagant generosity because we recognize that it's better to give than to receive. We love you, Lord. Thanks for loving us. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, we're going to stand together and we're going to sing our closing song. And as we do, I just invite you to come and spend time up here at the altar area. Maybe you just want to say thank you, God, for being generous. Like maybe you're just recognizing, man, God has been so generous in my life. He's been generous with his mercy. I've given God a lot of reasons to not be generous. Yet he continues to be faithful. Maybe you just want to be generous. Maybe you just want to say thank you. Maybe you just want to say, you know what, God, I need to rearrange some of my priorities. Would you just give me some wisdom and what things I need to tweak so that I can be generous? Whatever it is, you come, spend time in prayer. Uh, I'm right up here in the front row if you want someone to pray with you. Or I always think it's best to just grab someone near you and say, hey, would you come and pray with me? I think that's just what we should do as church and community. But let's spend time in prayer, spend time in worship, singing and and praying wherever we are uh, as we sing this song.